Amen, saints of God. Amen. This morning as we prepare for the word of God, amen, I would like to turn your attention to the gospel according to Matthew chapter 7. The gospel according to Matthew chapter 7. And when you get to chapter 7, our scripture text will start in verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 15, you will find these words. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. This morning, I want to speak with you for a few moments from the thought, wolves in sheep's clothing, part two. Wolves in sheep's clothing, part two. Amen. This morning, I think it is interesting that our devotional reading from our Sunday school, amen, is the exact same verses as we find here in our sermon text today, as we noticed as well in our responsive reading. Amen. We are living in a time when folks are mistreating others because of their own selfishness their own greed, and their own desires. So I think it is high time to, for the church to be able to identify wolves in sheep's clothing. As we begin to go back into our text, I want to remind you that the gospel according to Matthew, Matthew wrote his gospel to portray Jesus as king. And the king of the kingdom knows his enemies. He knows what can cause his kingdom harm. And so we find ourselves in these three chapters, five, six, and seven, which is known as the Sermon on the Mount. We have discussed in times past that the Sermon on the Mount 
is the manifesto of the king. We have been discussing in chapters 5, 6, and the beginning of 7, the do's and the don'ts of the kingdom of God. It can be summed up in to stop criticizing and to start loving. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so we find the, 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 what the whole Sermon on the Mount hinges on is in chapter 5, verse 20, when Jesus says to the multitudes, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, by no means will you enter the kingdom of heaven. But as we come into chapter 7, we find ourselves coming to the end of the race. We come to the final stretch. And so Jesus has moved from instruction according to criticism and love to talking about the plea to enter the kingdom of God. He talks about entering the kingdom of God by the narrow gate. Broad and easy is the way to destruction. Many will find that. But difficult is the way to eternal life and few will find it. But Jesus says, I've got a prescription for that. Because everybody who's hearing my voice Everybody who's hearing my instruction should be coming to the conclusion that by their own power, they will never be able to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. There must be a, a new prescription that transcends what man can do on his own. The epitome of righteousness according to men were the scribes and the Pharisees. But Jesus begins to make his plea in chapter 7 and says, there is another way. And he says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Jesus in another place in the scripture says, I am the door. So Jesus says, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you can't do it by your own works. You must ask me. Because your righteousness is nothing but filthy rags, as the prophet Isaiah says. But I've got a foreign righteousness that I want to put to your account. Because I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it, that I would be the righteousness of God, that whoever believes on me should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be called the righteousness of God in him. Jesus says, if you want to be right with God, ask me, for I am the source of righteousness. And so Jesus goes along in this text, in chapter 7, now he showed us the way to become sheep. 
to become lambs of God, to become his children. But for those who will accept his plea, who will accept his offer of salvation by asking him, and instead of trying to do it on their own, he now comes with a warning. He now comes with a warning that once you become a sheep of his pasture, there are ravenous wolves all around you waiting to eat you up, to eat up your flesh. So in verse 15, he says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. Last week, we talked about the first place to look for false prophets. The first place to look is in the pulpits, to look at the pastors and the preachers. Because Satan is more cunning than any other beast in the field. Satan knows the concept of leverage. Satan wants to use those who have the most influence to sway the people away from the Lord. So the first place of his attack will come from the pulpit. That's the first place to look. But on last week, we also talked about the society of the wolf pack. That there was the alpha wolf and the beta wolf and there was the rank and file and the omega wolf. That we were warned that when you find a wolf, the pack is not far away. So most of the time, by the time you find the wolf, there are all the wolves in the congregation. They work in concert as a team to eat up God's sheep. They don't come to play patty cake. They don't come to say to pat you on your back, they come to kill you. Because the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But our text allows us to realize that these ravenous wolves will come because they like the diet of sheep. We talked about last week how those animals in the canine family, even those who were normally not so vicious, when they are presented in their presence sheep, they seem to change in personality and they seem to have a desire to bite the sheep. So wolves by nature want to destroy sheep. They want to eat up their flesh. So wolves by nature are not designed to be your friend. You can't walk up on wolves and start to try to live with them and, and, and try to have communion with them, become separate and come out from among the wolves because they will kill you. There was a story that was, was talked about about a little boy who in the wintertime somehow a snake did not burrow farther enough down into the soil, amen, to stay warm, but was too high and was under the influence of that cold weather. This boy walked up to the snake and saw the snake shivering. The boy had compassion on the snake. So the boy got the shivering snake and took the snake home with him. 
took the snake into the living room and put the snake by the fire. Allowed the snake to warm up and where the snake was now slithering and, and comfortable. The boy was so excited about the snake not dying out in the cold that the boy was, was so happy. The boy reached out for the snake to pick him up and to hug him and the snake bit him. The boy hollered out, oh, and said to the snake, why did you bite me? You were outside in the cold and you were shivering and about to die. I picked you up and I brought you to my warm house and I put you before the fire and now you are healthy again and when I reached out to hug you, you bit me. The snake responded to him in saying, you knew I was a snake when you found me. Wolves in sheep's clothing. You can't run with wolves and expect not to get bitten. But so many times we try to kind of go back and forth across the line, living in one area with the wolves and then try to live in the other with sheep. But I'm telling you, if you walk with them, you're going to get bit. And if you're not careful, you're going to be killed. But this text allows us to see that sheep are under attack. The wolves are after you and me. Every born-again believer is a sheep, and the wolves are after us. The serpent is more cunning than any other beast in the field. The serpent knows not to come looking like a snake. The serpent knows not to come looking like a ravenous wolf, but he comes in sheep's clothing. He comes saying, that they're blessed and highly favored. He comes wearing church clothes. He comes speaking platitudes and things that people will think of as religious only to set them up for the fall. When we look at our text, we move on to verse 16 and it says, you will know them by their fruits. In other words, you will know them by that in which is given for you to eat. He's talking about their words and their deeds. If you look at verse 16, you see a question. He says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Remember that the wolf is a cunning beast as well. And the wolf will not come and show you that they are a wolf. They will come as a sheep. They will say things that sound so godly and so religious. They will say things that seem to be in such alignment with Christianity. They will lull you into a false sense of security if you don't stay alert. In this text, we find that false prophets can only show you good fruit for a short time because it didn't come from their tree. Look at the text, y'all. Verse 16. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
The false prophets will come in with, with good words and a piece of scripture and maybe a good sermon and a good Sunday school lesson and a good Bible study for a little while. But if you keep watching and you keep listening, you will find out that those Bible studies and those Sunday schools and those sermons were plants. They were planted because they're not coming from the false prophet. Look at the text. It says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes? No. But folks can plant grapes on thorn bushes. But they're only going to be there for a little while. Because thorn bushes don't produce grapes. Nor are figs produced from thistles. See, you got to be careful when you hear a preacher or a teacher preach one good sermon or teach one good Bible study lesson. Amen. That is not the test because Satan and his, his uh, servants can do it for a little while. But if you listen to them time after time after time, their mask will fall off. Amen. It's like Red Riding Hood said, Grandma, what big eyes you have. Grandma, what large teeth you have. After a while, the mask will fall off. So we see in the text that false prophets have bad fruit. And true prophets have good fruit. Because verse 16 says you will know them by the fruit that they bear. You will know them because of their fruits. So the next question we must ask ourselves is what is good fruit and what is bad fruit? Well, let's look at a passage of scripture that allows us to begin to see what bad fruit looks like. In Galatians chapter 5, Starting at verse 19, Paul the Apostle says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not enter the kingdom of God. Watching the false prophet, remember there are plants, they have planted themselves to be true prophets of God, but they're really wolves in sheep's clothing. They will look good at the beginning. They will look like grapes and they will look like figs, but the trees are really thorn bushes and thistles. So as time goes on with the false prophet, their true self will come out. Their mask will begin to fall off. 
I don't know about you, but we have heard on many times, amen, through our papers and through other ways that in congregations how the leadership has committed adultery with the congregants, amen. False prophets, wolves, and sheep's clothing. They have been fornicators. They have been those who have been unclean in their communications. From the pulpit, they have preached sermons that seem clean, but in council, they have been impure in their thoughts. I don't know about you, but I've had associates or folks that I have had to work with that when we begin to speak on a casual basis, their minds just seem to go to impure places, even though the conversation has nothing to do with that. That's how a false prophet will be when he is or she is in council. Will begin to speak impure things. Will begin to incite and give insinuation that will lead you into places of sexual immorality. The next word being uncleanliness is just a lifestyle of immoral activity. Then the text goes on to say they become lewd. They are very divisive in their ways to seduce a man. They are seductress and seductors. They seduce the congregations into doing stuff that they have no business doing. But they look like sheep. They have on their church clothes. They got their churchy terminology. But all the while, they're full of deception. The text goes on to talk about their idolatries. One of the things that a false prophet will do will try to turn you away from worshiping God and worshiping them. It's a subtle thing, but they will be in strategic alignment to move your mind away from God into praise and worship of them. False teachers. We say to ourselves, well, I could see that and it would never happen to me. The people who went to the, the people's church where Jim Jones was the pastor, many of them probably said the same thing, that they never fall upon the, a false prophet. But you know what happened there. You know Jonestown and you know how they drank what we call the Kool-Aid, amen, and they all died. Nobody's immune from the wiles of the false prophet. But you must be aware. You must be open-eyed and alert. Because he will come in and he comes in to kill, steal, and destroy. Our text goes on to say that they are sorcerers. They like to deal in black magic and they like to deal in things that are sensational. All we got to go is to TBN and see some of the preachers that are on there and the kind of sensationalism that goes on there. How it has to be so uh, uh, convenient that the healings of folk has to happen while it's on TV. And while after they do a healing, they have their pleas for if you will send in such amount of money, then I'll pray for you that you be healed too, TV land. Sorcery, trickery, deception because of their greed. But it's a 
subtle thing. Because if you look at these TV stations and you look at some of these churches, there's tens of thousands of people going to these churches. Because people have been deceived and some people want to hear what they want to hear. That's the false prophet's breeding ground. He likes to be in places where folks don't want to hear what thus saith the Lord, but they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to hear that everything's all right. There's no problems in the world. Howdy, howdy, never goodbye. Hey, keep on doing what you're doing because everything's all right. They, they want to hear that we can eat, drink, and be merry. They want to hear the good things. They want to hear that it's your best life yet. But they don't want to hear about sin. They won't hear about righteousness. They won't want to hear about living right. They don't want to hear about sacrificing for God. But they want to hear that just in a little while, in 30 days, you will have your brand new car. Just in a little while, you will have your big house on the hill. Just in a little while, you're going to get that promotion. Just in a little while, if you got enough faith, you can call out money coming to your pockets and you'll be rich. But that's false prophets. Wolves in sheep's clothing. But the text goes on to say that they, they, they have hatred. See, they look like they love you, but there's no love in their hearts for you. They only want to use you as a means for their own greedy gains. They're contentious and they're jealous. Jealousy in this context talks about how they don't want to share you with nobody else because you're their money train. So if you say, I'm going to go over here to visit my sister or brother or whatever at their church, they have a fit. Because they don't want you to get somewhere and you just might get a word from the Lord and realize that they are false prophets, that they're wolves in sheep's clothing. But more than that, they're wondering if you will go over there, will your money go with you? Because they're greedy and covetous. False prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. Well, we see in this text that they also have tendencies to get mad when people don't do exactly how they want them to do. When, when folks are not moving at the pace that they want them to move, they start getting mean and they start talking down to folks. But by that time, they started to have influence. So they start to try to break down folks by their self-esteem so that they can get them under control. Wolves in sheep's clothing. They're selfish in their ambitions. They don't care about you. They don't care about where you're going to be in Christ. They don't care about your soul salvation. They don't care about your healthy living in the Lord. All you are is a means to their end. And at the end of the day, when they paint their picture, you're not in it. False prophets. Wolves in sheep's clothing. So this morning... Or this afternoon now, I say to the saints of God to be alert. We're living in a time where ravenous wolves are everywhere. And if you think New Zion is inoculated, you got another thing coming. Because Paul cried out to the church at Ephesus about the same thing. 
Amen. He said that they would come and they would be ravenous. He said, I have told you these things with tears. That when I'm gone, they're coming. And they're coming to destroy you. And church history allows us to see that eventually the church at Ephesus was no more. Even in the book of Revelation, Jesus himself, through the angel at that church, says, write these things that you have lost your first love. This is the result of ravenous wolves. Wolves in sheep's clothing had turned the people away from the love of God to the love of men. They had fallen in love with their piety. They had fallen in love with their own righteousness and forgot about their first love in Jesus Christ. Saints of God, there is no other love than the love of Christ. Because the only reason why we can love is because he first loved us. So as I come to a close, saints of God, I want to warn us as we're dealing with this series over false prophets that we become aware because they're looming on the horizon. And when the sheep begin to get healthy, amen, as the saints become stronger and they begin to do the work of the master, it's as if the wolves can smell you, amen, and they're coming or running. Be alert, be sober, and be aware because they are wolves in sheep's clothing. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, Lord, we bless your name, Master, for another day in your word. Lord, as these words of Jesus Christ become settled in our hearts, O oh God, Lord, help us to be diligent. Help us, help us to be vigilant and watch for these false teachers and preachers. Lord, we don't want the mission that you have set us forth on to be thwarted by those evildoers, Master. Keep us alert and clear. Lord, and let us be able to recognize them when they come on the horizon. But Lord, we love you so much for you are so worthy to be praised. Lord, we ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. At this time, amen. There may be somebody here today who hasn't quite come to the knowledge of being a sheep of the Lord. You have not asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to turn you away from a wicked heart. You may not have asked him to come and live in you. But right now I say in the name of Jesus, to come just as you are. For he is willing to save you. Come to Jesus just now.
but there is still plenty of good room. the songs of Zion, oh God. Thank you for the prayers, and most of all, thank you for your word. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to hide this word in our hearts. Lord, help us be alert. Master, in a time of peace, Master, the storm is on the way. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, keep new Zion, Lord, in your care, oh God. Lord, as the ravenous wolves set up to come in, Master, Lord, you build a shield of protection around us. Lord, that we see them as they loom on the horizon. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, Master, as we prepare our hearts to give, Lord, we ask that you bless our tithes and our offerings, O oh God, that they might be used for kingdom building. Lord, for we want to be so careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. As we go from this place to our prospective homes and other destinations. Lord, keep us. Put your holy hedge around us and keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen. 